Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Acey, Potter's beat writer for the Union Tribune. Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Back in town. I'm in my car, If uh, for those of you not watching uh, live, because uh, I'm headed to the ballpark to watch the Padres play the Brewers. Just got to back, uh, back, came from the airport, uh, had some lunch downtown, very pleasant. Now you're caught up on me. Let's catch up on the Padres. Four against the Brewers, just won four of seven on the road against two very good teams. The Brewers, they're banged up, but they're eight and four in first place in the in, in the NL Central. It's not going to get any easier. Every team the Padres play from now till the end of the month, except I guess the end of the month, they play the Giants in Mexico City. But every team they play between now and then, I think it's 14 in a row, has a winning record. Ryan, what'd you think of the road trip? I think overall successful. Uh, you, you know, you look, you play two of the National League favorites in the Mets and the Braves. Padres played both of them pretty well. Um, with the exception of a little bit of a stinker uh, early in the Mets series, I, I think that they were competitive the whole time. I think that they pitched better uh, with maybe one or two exceptions. Uh, this is, you know, the Nelson Cruz. Uh, Nelson Cruz was hitting in Atlanta. Uh, Luis Campusano was hitting in New York. I think that these are uh, all positive developments for, for this team. And again, I need to keep reminding myself of this, Kevin. I'm sh- you know this. It's a long season. It's a long season. You would take that road trip against those teams doing what they did pretty much every time. And, you know, to me, that's a good start to the season after maybe a questionable homestand to get started. I do have one concern. There's been a couple times through the rotation now, Blake Snell. Um, he was yesterday starting pitcher. Again, struggled to go particularly far into the game at all. And somebody who, again, has electric stuff, but he doesn't throw strikes, his outings are short, and it's kind of starting to hurt this team's bullpen. Uh, what'd you make of his performance? Yeah, it is. And and I think they came out uh, as, as good as they could yesterday, considering that this guy didn't Agreed. look like he was going to make it to the fourth again. And he made it into the sixth, whether he should have been there or not, whether he should have got as many batters as he did, whatever. Then they uh, are able to, you know, they don't have to pitch to the Mets in the ninth because they're losing. So they were able to get through just using uh, Brent Honeywell and, and Tim Hill. So that was about as good as it could have been after you watched the first couple innings because, you know, you're right. They're 0-3 when he pitches. Uh, you know, they're seven and six overall. So that's half their losses. Even I can do that math. I can also do the math where 53 of a hundred pitches are strikes. That's 53%, which is basically his season percentage. Uh, it's 54 strike rate. He's not striking people out. He's not missing a whole lot of bats. A few more yesterday with the slider, uh, more hard contact than we're used to seeing mm-hmm. waste pitches, pitches that aren't near the strike zone. It is look when Blake Snell's on, He's around the zone. Guys are chasing because they feel like they have to uh, because the stuff is so good. When batters can recognize out of the hand that it's a ball, it's 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 not good. It's not good for anyone. Um, but that's where Blake Snell lives. And uh, right now he's living in that sort of, uh, you know, he's just, he's just not good. Um, I, I, I keep hearing calls, and this is what – this is on the fan bill of rights that you get to say that a guy should be demoted. Um, without knowing who would replace him, right? And and so that's – but that's not going to happen, all right? Now, uh, give me a couple starts from now, right? Like, uh, you know, well, let, let's revisit it. You know, a couple starts where he hasn't gone more than uh, three innings or something. Uh, but, look, the guy is really good. You should more be just like saying, all right, it's early in the season and that he needs to be better. That's what is – that's just the reality right now. And this is par for the course for Blake Snell over his career, too. People who maybe are, are, are 
jumping on the Padre bandwagon a little bit earlier this year. I need to understand, but Blake Stell is a guy who goes through spells like this, particularly early in the season, doesn't he? Right, but this is the worst. And also, of course. I would even I, I do think that it is uh, it's fair game to to yeah. talk about, not to be surprised by, but but it's fair game to say, hey, what the heck, man? Um, you you had uh, this off season that was, uh, you know, probably according to people around the organization, the best uh, it, that you've had in terms of. Uh, the commitments is try to keep your your late season success and bring it into the early season. There was a lot of optimism is given the opening day start, um, you know, by default, of course, but uh, be with Joe Musgrove being hurt and you Jarvis not being ready to go quite yet. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fair game. It's it's just yeah, this isn't terribly surprising. Surprising only in that you know, you 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 would like to think it was going to be better, and there were there were signs it was going to be better, whatever. One thing I'll say about him is, I mean, this is about the time after three stinkers that he comes out the next time, which um, is Monday. Yeah. Is it Monday or Tuesday? Anyway, when he pitches against the Braves, um, he'll come, it'll be Tuesday. This is about the time he comes out and he throws, you know, six shutout or something. Sure. Sure. And, and with him too, it's not necessarily that he's struggling. It's that he's struggling with Joe Musgrove on the injured list, with you Darvish still trying to build up following the World Baseball Classic, he, he's struggling when the Padres can ill afford to cover f- five innings, four innings in, on nights in which he starts. Yep, that's a great point. That's what it's all about to me. It's been the biggest story. Of course, we have some others challenging now, like who's going to be the catch, the primary catcher or, or how will that balance go? Uh, we have a developing story perhaps, and I've been kind of pushing back on it, but we have a developing story perhaps with designated hitter playing time. Nelson Cruz got a hit against a right-hander again yesterday. Uh, but anyway, to me, the bullpen and how they manage it till Joe comes back and they get some more off days has been the biggest story. So you're you're correct. Yep, and you've been writing about it for two weeks. That This is the story of the early season, which is bullpen management. Uh, you mentioned the catcher situation. That was next on my list to talk about. Luis Campusano continues to hit. He's made some strides behind the plate defensively. Austin Nola, God bless him, isn't hitting. And uh, Bob Melvin, who I think has been a big advocate for Austin Nola over the years, I mean, yesterday essentially said, yeah, well, maybe we'll see sort of the split change. Uh, do you anticipate yeah. Luis Camposano being the more regular starting catcher? I would think that he's in the lineup tonight. I would think that Nick Martinez is a guy that can work with him, that that uh, that will work with him, that he can work with, and especially given that Luis Camposano has done everything that they have asked him to do, uh, right. and that is uh, com- improve communication, improve uh, the consistency of his concentration, the uh, ability to work with relievers uh, and and be as engaged as he was early in the game. I mean, he was a young catcher who had some things, some things didn't come natural to him. And what that did was sort of masked to some extent, the the ability that he does have, the, the ability he does have to call games, uh, to read swings. Uh, he is a really good catcher, and, and people have been saying that for a long time, but you just, it didn't translate to games, which is where it's freaking important, uh, but it yeah. is this year. So um, I think if he was going to keep, uh, you know, if he's going to get two and three hits a night, which he did once uh, the other day uh, in his last start, that he was going to get more playing time if he was playing well behind the plate. But you then combine that with Austin Nola now is it, I believe, 19 uh, hitless at-bats 
there's a walk in there, um, but mm-hmm. 19 hitless at bats. Uh, you combine those two things of, of uh, or three things, uh, Camposano hitting, Camposano playing really well behind the plate, and Nola struggling, and we're going to see a shift in, in the balance of playing time here. I still don't know what it will be because you still have you Darvish and Blake Snell are basically going to be pitching to Camposano. Does that mean Camposano catches the other three? I don't think so uh, because these guys are uh, – I, I don't think so. Could it be that they alternate, that, mm-hmm. that uh, you see Camposano catching Martinez and, and, and uh, then maybe one of Lugo's starts or whatever? Uh, but it's going to change somehow. Yeah, and for Bob Melvin to even indicate that something might change, I mean, this is a to me really speaks to the the strides that Camposano has made, because Bob oh. Melvin's famously hard on his catchers. Yeah, uh, d- demands a lot of them, and was more never was ripping Camposano, but was not lavishing praise, uh, and now he's lavishing praise. That's your signal right there. Yeah, absolutely. Milwaukee Brewers arrive at Petco Park for four starting tonight. Uh, We talked, Kevin, off camera periodically about how many teams are actually trying in the the National League. The Brewers are trying. They're smart. They're somewhat well-run. They're not all in necessarily. Um, What are we expecting from the Brewers here, and and where do you think they fit kind of in the playoff race, if we can talk about the playoffs in April? The way that you put it is, is a good way to put it. Look, I think they're one of the seven slash eight uh, okay. good teams, seven slash mm-hmm. eight teams competing for a, uh, a playoff spot. You could convince me if we wanted to have a long argument, which maybe we can in a month or something about that there, there's eight slash nine. But anyway, the Brewers are in there and they and I think that they have been. They are hitting surprisingly well. They're down what they're down um, Ashby. Hauser and Woodruff on the IL and Corbin Burns just pitched. So the Padres, theoretically, uh, though Freddie Peralta is pitching well, uh, Lauer is pitching okay, um, and they'll face both of those guys. But the Padres get a little bit of a break there. Um, But the Brewers are never going to be huge spenders. And I say that fairly confidently, covering the team that people used to say that about the Padres are never going to be big spenders. But like the Brewers show you, uh, what they're doing every year. They try to churn. They're kind of like a raise who spends some, a little bit more than that. But, you know, last year they looked terrible when they trade away uh, Josh Hader. Uh, but that was sort of inevitable. That's like the raise formula, right? Like Josh mm-hmm. Hader's making $13.1 million more than any closers ever got in arbitration th- this year. They knew that was coming. They have Devin Williams, who was going to be their closer. They thought, you know, they got Denelson Lametta reliever. They got Taylor Rogers, who at that time was second or mm-hmm. he was still leading. The I think he was still leading the National over League. Josh yeah. Hader. So right. regardless, they thought they were getting a guy to be an eighth inning guy. They thought they were getting the National League saves leader to be an eighth inning guy. So that was classic Brewers that they that they had Josh Hader, that they let go of Josh Hader. Um, I don't think it was a sign of anything other than that's who the Brewers are. Uh, but they're going to constantly mix and match. They're going to bring in a Luke Voigt and hope that he turns into, you know, something that uh, can help them them win for one season. They did it with uh, uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, sure. And that worked out uh, for, for them, for him. You know, Hunter Renfro, by the way, has made himself a hell of a career jumping from team to team. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, they're a good team that you always have to say, well, especially with their pitching, you guys always have to say this is going to be a tough series. Absolutely. They are a tough out. 
when it comes to, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. This is Kevin, in terms of just the, the Padres order going forward here. I mean, we're starting to see a little Brandon Dixon in right field. Is that, is that a one-off? Is that something we can expect a little bit more? Let's of going just forward? get through the next seven games or eight games. Okay. Um, and that's really what it is. Yes. We could sure. talk about this. I don't think it'll be Brandon Dixon. I forget. Oh, I, um, I think I just got a text, but I'm afraid to touch it because I'm in my car and I'm 52 years old going on 84 and I didn't want to touch it. And then maybe I wouldn't be on the, you know, on this podcast anymore. That, that text was probably an announcement of uh, who the uh, Brewer starter was. We don't know who the okay. Brewer starter is tonight. And I was going to, I'm saying that to say, I don't know who's starting in right field. I right. would imagine that if it's uh, either a Zokar or Odor, Dixon's not going to play three games in a row. So, you know, look, they're, they're, they're holding it together out there. Okay. And then Tatis will come back and you'll have a little bit more of a, of a set lineup. Can I blow your mind for a second? Old friend alert, the Milwaukee Brewers, according to their Twitter feed from just now, just called up Colin Ray. No way. That is who remember Colin Ray. <laughs> called him up and he's starting tonight is that what you're telling I, they, me they have not it indicated who is okay. starting they've said okay. that they have called him up from triple a nashville mm-hmm. remember colin okay. ray anyway oh I, I do uh before i got back on the beat but i do i mean he was still here uh i can't say that uh I remember seeing him pitch live so this would be very very exciting for all of us uh yes there are a lot of uh, and I've, I've done this it's slightly true that Padres fans see more former players, you know, come back and cycle through and hurt them um, from time to time than other teams based on right. just the amount of guys that the uh, prospects that have been traded away and all that. And so we'll see, maybe, you know, Colin Ray comes back. I don't know what he's been doing in the minors, uh, but uh, maybe they're going with like a bullpen uh, game tonight because, uh, you know, as of mm-hmm. yesterday, I couldn't find anything when I looked uh, that even said they hadn't announced and I couldn't find anything that said who their starter was. So maybe they're going with a bullpen game tonight. Colin Ray's claim to fame, if I recall correctly, is he was traded to Miami for a guy named Luis Castillo who turned into Part of that trade. And then Colin Ray was injured upon arriving to Miami and that trade had to be undone, basically. Otherwise, the Padres would have had Luis Castillo. AJ Preller has uh, tried a few times. Now that was obviously the closest because you don't get any closer than a trade being completed and then um, uh, partially undone. undone. But yeah. he's tried a few times uh, to get uh, to get Luis Castillo for good reason. Absolutely, uh, Kevin. One last thing here, and then we'll let you go. Uh, you talked to Manny Machado and Juan Soto on this road trip about the pitch clock and about uh, how that is affecting both of them. Both were, I thought, surprisingly very candid with you that this is something that they're really having to adjust to early in the season. Uh, what was that interaction like, and, and how do you think players are adjusting across the board? Yeah, so I just talked about it a couple about it a couple times. I was particularly struck by a conversation that, that I did have with Manny, that he kind of led it, really. Um, mm-hmm. like, like, I started on a couple other things, like asking him what's wrong. <laughs> and uh, and he kind of led it there uh, and then was and I want to make it clear. And I think I did. In the, in what I wrote about it, it wasn't like complaining. I mean, I guess you could say it was complaining bottom line, but it wasn't. He wasn't angry. He wasn't agitated. Uh, I wouldn't even say that you could tell he was frustrated. The words were frustrated. But like I'm just telling you, he wasn't like, oh, they got to change this. I'm out. No, he was just like look, uh, here are some instances 
Uh, and it is when you talk to players, the elites, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, who had a plan when they went up and who adjusted their plan as the at-bat went on and are now having to find out that they either – what they're saying now is can't adjust. Can't they're, – they're having to figure out how they can, right? Sure. Like maybe it's true that they can't right now. But guess what? They both have said they will have to, right? The rules aren't changing, right? Like right. so – um, and I think there'll be tweaks down the line. I don't know if they'll be this year. I thought it was interesting that because Manny's like, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get used to it. I don't know when everybody is. Soto is like, not until next year. Uh, who knows? But but it is got to remember, these guys played one way for a really long time. And those pitchers are really good. And suddenly they're, they're, everything has changed. I mean, you talk about this stuff. I might write today about the stolen bases. I know everyone's on Austin Nola. We knew he didn't have a great arm. Austin Nola's made some of the best throws of his career this year, and the runner has, has beat him. They're, they're, they can time their jumps better based on the pitch clock, based on how many bigger bag thrown yeah. over, the bigger yeah. bag on a bang-bang play. Like, like it is the, – the, I, I, uh, I underestimated the, the bigger bag, right? If you're talking about a play like yesterday, was it Nimmo or McNeil? Or, no, it was Kanha um, that stole a base with a great swim move on uh, because the throw was great, the tag was good, and the slide was better. But mm -hmm. he's out if it's the old bases. Yeah. So, yeah. Everything has changed in this game. <laughs> like, and, and, and people's heads are swimming. And I do think the pitchers who hold the ball, can control the game a little bit more. Now, they get hurried up, too. Um, Josh Hader wouldn't say that he did. It looked like it. and Some teammates said he did. Blake Snell has gotten uh, sped up. Nick Martinez talked about getting sped up. But they can – I've seen pitchers, um, not in any of the games I've covered, but uh, in other games that uh, don't get the ball back right away. Maybe they turn mm -hmm. their back. They do different things. Pitchers can control the game more. The batters are at the mercy of that clock. They should call it a batter clock. That's good. Actually, that's good. One of the things Manny said that I thought was, it struck me just as a casual, you know, as an observer. He goes, you know, I used to be able to essentially step out and think, okay, runner on first, one out. You know, it, it's sort of reset the situation in my head, remind myself of what I need to do here. And he said that there's just no time for that anymore, which to me, think if that is it. true... That's bad. Think about it. Now, with 20 seconds on the clock, if you're, if you're, in, a, you're in that sort of situation, right, it's not 15, we're dealing with the 20-second clock, he has 11 seconds to do it from the time right. the pitcher gets the ball. So he's got eight or nine seconds, like, in reality, unless he never stepped mm -hmm. out of the box. Um, so let's give him say he's got 11 seconds. That sounds like a lot. There's 40,000 people in the stands. The adrenaline is up because there's bases. You know, you're down by a run. At, uh, runners at first and second. You're facing a pitcher who's got you know three different pitches, and one of them's 96 miles an hour, and the other's a 92 mile an hour slider that looks exactly like the 96 mile an hour pitch. And you're trying to remember what it is that he throws, and when's he going to do this, and what's he? 11 seconds. Suddenly, it took me longer than 11 seconds to explain that. Okay. Yeah. And there's not 40,000 people. I mean, there's 40,000 people listening. I mean, come on, we're huge, but oh, like, you know, there, it's a lot. They're being paid a lot. They will adjust. They have to. I don't think it's all of why Manny is struggling. 
But look, he's not being able to slow the game down to the Manny Machado pace. He's his little strut to the to the um, the batter's box where he taps his bat. Then he kind of drags his foot as he gets into the you know circle, and then you know taps uh, says hello to the catcher to the umpire at least the first at bat and does all steps in then steps out. It took me longer than 30 seconds to describe that. So, like, right. now at the beginning of his at-bats, he's having to hustle to the plate. That is something that takes getting used to. I think we all underestimated it. Now, I'm a huge pitch clock guy. We can't go back. It's like when you have sex. You can't go back to holding hands. We cannot go back to not having the clock, okay? But. Yes, you can't go. And on that note, did I just <laughs> – I, I I'm 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 blushing over here. This is fantastic. Did well, did it make a point? It absolutely makes sense. I yes, love, I feel I love the clock. I love mm-hmm. it. There are instances where it has ruined certain aspects of the game. Uh, I don't know what to do about it. I think a few more seconds. I think there's a lot smarter people than me. People who've watched even you know thousands of more games than I have. Uh, who can figure out a few of these things um, for when we get to September, for when we get to October. Um, I, I, I do think there are some tweaks that have to be made. My guess is Theo Epstein, who is a really smart person, is he's paying close attention to this. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Kevin, if you had to put an over-under. Definitely getting suggestions. <laughs> if you had to put an over-under on when these tweaks are coming, uh, let, let me put an arbitrary date out there. All-star break. Yeah, there's a good one. I mean, you got to let, you know, you've got to let well, 600 games get played. You know what I mean? You got to, that's what you, you have to have the data, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it's it, there's so, just like all the stats right now, you know, like the Brewers uh, uh, offense, like in two weeks, they could be, you know, hitting 205 um, yeah. that you got to have the data, but it's, it's, it's the players say something new comes up every day, right? Like it's all I could write about. Like I felt bad quoting Soto about it again today because while I think it's the biggest issue in baseball do people really still want to write read about it all the time but there are people whose job it is yes to to be this is almost the only thing they're thinking about and they have to make it right um because it's it's affecting everything it's affecting the watching experience the playing experience um you know you think about what's it what how much is it affecting players like Manny Machado and I haven't looked around the league and seen other guys who are down below what they normally do um it's affecting stats, paychecks. I mean, it's 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 huge. What it, what is the impact that it's having? Oh, absolutely. Everything from the fan in the stands to the person watching. It's a great TV game now. I'm not oh. sure in person if it's in in person. It could probably it might feel too short sometimes if you're there. I've gone. Uh, I've I've, already, I've explained this both in my newsletter and I think here. It's changed how I have to cover games. I am like. It, it's exhausting. Uh, and I'm yeah. still, again, I'm the guy saying I love it, but it's exhausting. It, it is. Right. And uh, this job already was. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really a rush. And I've heard from a lot of fans when I said it was almost universally, uh, I, I don't use absolutes ever. I never use absolutes. Never. Uh, but it's, uh, I said it was almost universally uh, loved. I heard from many, many people that don't. And, and that people that say they were at games, and I believe them, because why wouldn't I? Uh, and I do get that, that if uh, <laughs> some of these one, two, three innings with seven pitches take like two minutes, and you just mm-hmm. went to get a beer, you left uh, with two outs uh, in the one inning, they had the break, you, uh, they had another half an inning, they had another break, you come back and it's two innings later, because you had to go to the bathroom. 
your uh, beer. Don't get another beer because then you have to go to the bathroom again. I mean, it's I mean the the cataclysmic events that are happening. The stuff that really matters here: ability to get beer. Exactly, exactly. Well, Kevin, I, we're hey, look. That's part of the teams too, by the way. Oh yeah. And the podcast, oh, yeah. from my understanding, and where I know we're going to have a story on the fan experience uh, right. here soon. But the Padres, Padres, from my understanding, have pushed. And look, I don't drink beer at the game, um, but um, I believe it was the seventh <laughs> inning when it was over. Right when the seventh inning was over, you uh, you had to have bought your beer. I believe right. it's now the start of the eighth inning. So what do you get another two and a half minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'd be interested to find out if they've opened more stands. They want to sell you more beer, folks. They do. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> they will probably make it easier to get beer. Uh, that would be my guess too. Uh, no, it's interesting. As somebody with kids. I'm scared to death of the, I got to take kids to the bathroom three times a game and, and how much baseball I might miss. So uh, different I, kid. Just... I remember those days. Hey, wait a minute. We just left. Couldn't you have remembered you needed to go or what? Uh, yeah. Uh, does anybody have to pee? Does anybody have to pee? I say that 15 <laughs> times every time we go. Anyway, that's where we're ending this podcast, Kevin. Uh, we're up against our 30 minute limit here. That'll do it for this episode of the hot lava podcast. I will let you get to the ballpark. Here. Thank you for, uh, rigging it so we could talk while you were on your way. Thanks, everybody.